You are listening to the teaching podcast of Praise Community Church in Mason City, Iowa. For more information about our church, please visit praisecc.org. The last couple of weeks I've been kind of talking on the subject of miracle signs and wonders and we've been kind of really talking about what is the purpose of miracle signs and wonders. And we talked about them, you know, kind of mainly uh, being for the purpose of authentication, that, that uh, it authenticates that Jesus is who he said he was, and that the miracles and signs and wonders that he performed was that what he was saying was absolute truth. We talked about that being uh, also revelation, and we talked about that being glorification, in, in that everything that God does through miracle signs and wonders, it's all for the purpose of the glory, the honor, the recognition going back to him that he is the, the source of every good thing that comes from heaven uh, to us. Now, miracles basically kind of fall into three categories. And the most prominent miracles of Jesus are what uh, I would call or, or what theologians would refer to as physical miracles. Now, these are miracles primarily of healing of relieving human suffering, or it can be the reversing of the effects of sickness and disease. Even today, of all the miracles Jesus performed, the ones that we want him to perform today, by and far, are physical miracles. It never fails when you, you know, uh, ask for prayer requests, whether you're getting that from individuals, whether you're getting that from a large group. 99% of the time, you will hear a request for somebody to be healed. Then Jesus performed what I call natural miracles. And, and these were kind of, uh, in, in, a, in a respectful way, these were probably some of the most entertaining of the miracles that Jesus performed because they either, either suspended or they superseded the laws of nature. Now, whether it was changing water into wine, stilling a storm, walking on water, feeding 5,000 people multiple times with a few loaves and a few fish, these were what I would call the, you know, jaw-dropping, eye-opening miracles. These were the ones that you would kind of say, can you do that again, Jesus, type of miracles. Then the third type of miracle are what I would call the supernatural miracles. These, these were, you know, Jesus raising people from the dead. I mean, these were the miracles where Jesus would specifically cast demons out of people. And Jesus proved uh, he was God by showing the authority that he had over disease so he could heal. His authority over discord. He could, you know, again, turn water into wine. He could, uh, you know, still a storm or, or feed thousands of people or the demonic. I mean, even the devil, uh, he had power over even the devil himself and his demons. And he would, you know, at, at times just, just take command of a whole legion uh, of demons and, and take them out of people and cast them into pigs. That's a, that is just, I mean, amazing. I mean, even the way Jesus performed miracles was totally different. 
Sometimes the miracles were natural events that were just timed at supernatural ways. For example, all storms, no matter when they come, no matter how severe they are, all storms eventually die out and every storm eventually calms down. But Jesus calmed one major storm down immediately. Sometimes a miracle is not what happens, but when it happens. Sometimes a miracle is not when it happens, but where it happens and what happens. Now to me, it, it, it doesn't matter when or where or how a man walks on water. When a man walks on water, that's a miracle. What I'm trying to get you to understand is there are so many ways a miracle can happen. And there are so many things that go into making the miraculous that we still have great hope and reason and trust and faith to believe and to expect to experience miracles, signs, and wonders because Jesus said he was the same yesterday, today, and forever. What Jesus has done in the past, he continues to do today, and he will do into the future through his Holy Spirit within Christian believers. As I stated last week, and I will say it again, I'm not trying to pick a fight. I'm not trying to be controversial. But I am not interested in pursuing, chasing after, or trying to force miracles, signs, and wonders for the sake of having miracles, signs, and wonders. As I said last week, miracles, signs, and wonders, they do not, we do not follow them, they follow us. Mark 16, 17 through 18 says, and these signs shall follow, shall follow, shall follow those who believe in my name, they shall cast out devils, they shall speak with new tongues, they shall take up servants if they drink any deadly thing, it will not hurt them, they shall lay hands on the sick and they will recover. So here's what I believe that we are called to pursue, to run after, to chase after, to, to make a, a, a commitment in every fiber of our being to do, and that is we are called to follow wholeheartedly after Jesus, to live a life fully and completely surrendered to him, to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength, and to love one another with the same, to live together, to dwell together in unity. And brothers and sisters, I believe when we faithfully, steadfastly, wholeheartedly pursue those things, one of the results is that miracles, signs, and wonders will manifest. They will follow those of us who do. I find it rather interesting that as you look at the early church there in Acts, this seems to be their focus as well. For example, look at Acts 2, beginning there in, in verse 42. If you don't have your Bibles, you can look up on the screen. If you have your Bibles, I encourage you to open that up. I'm going to ask you to underline a few things. There it says, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship 
and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared their money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while pursuing God and enjoying the goodwill of all people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Now again, let me just note a few things here. First of all, notice it starts by saying all the believers. Not just some of the believers. Not just the more mature believers, not just the pastor, not just the elders, all the believers. Because at this time in Acts chapter two, most if not all of them were pretty new to the faith. Because this follows immediately after Pentecost, the day that God sent his Holy Spirit to dwell in individual believers. So all the believers, it implies unity. A complete coming together like nothing that had ever been experienced before among them. There was just this like-mindedness. There was complete harmony. They were devoted to each other, deeply devoted to each other. They were devoted to the apostles' teachings. They're sharing together in meals. I would call that the original praise cafe, right? They're devoted, they're committed to the Lord's Supper and to praying for each other. And it says there was this deep awe in that community of believers. Are you with me? Then, 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 the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. The miracles, the signs, and the wonders, they were a part, they were the manifestation, they were the fruit, they were the result of all they were experiencing in this brand new, unified, united in heart and mind community of believers. Now here's how some people wanna read and interpret this. The apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders, and then all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. And a deep sense of awe came over them all. It's not what it says. That's not the order it gives it to us for a purpose, for a reason. Because some people think, oh, if we can just have miracles, signs, and wonders happening in our church, all of our problems would be solved. We would have unity and harmony, and we would just grow as a church. And I just got to be honest with you. As much as I wish that was true, I believe that is a complete misunderstanding and misapplication of the place and purpose of miracle signs and wonders in the church. Because as you continue reading on in the book of Acts, and I would encourage you to do that this week, 
Peter heals a crippled beggar at the very beginning of Acts chapter 3. And following the preaching in the temple, that ultimately leads to Peter and John being arrested and they're brought before what had to be a very intimidating Jewish council. And following their release, it says they return to their community of faith and report to them all that happened. And, and I love this. When they heard the report that the community that, that of believers there, all the believers lifted their voices together in prayer to God. Now jumping down to verse 29, and it says, and now, O Lord, and they're talking to God here, and now, O Lord, hear their threats and give us, your servants, great boldness in preaching your word. And notice what they're asking for here. They're not asking for miracles, signs, and wonders. They're saying, give us. And if they're not just talking to the preacher in the pulpit, they're praying and they're asking, God, give us, this whole community of believers, everybody, give us great boldness in preaching the word of God. Verse 30, their prayer continues. Stretch out your hand Whose hand? God's hand. That's who they're talking to. They're saying, you stretch out your hand with healing power and may miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And then they proceeded to preach the word of God with boldness. Exactly what they asked for. Exactly what they wanted. That was their prayer. Give us, your servants, great preaching, boldly your word. And miracles, signs, and wonders were a part of what would manifest through the bold preaching of the word of God. It was not independent of, it was not uh, um, apart from that. It wasn't that signs and miracles and wonderings were, were happening. And then as a result of that, they started preaching the word of God with great boldness. No, 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 no. They began to preach the word of God with great boldness. And out of that, God began to manifest in a number of ways. And, and, and one of those was through miracle signs and wonders. Their focus, what they were after, what they were committed to was the preaching of the word of God with boldness, not on miracles, not on signs, and not on wonders. Those come as a result of. So let's continue on in verse 32. All the believers were united in heart and mind. Now that is significant. Do not gloss over that. There's something that needs to happen in every church. There's something that needs to happen in every body of believer. And that is, we have got to be united in heart and mind. That is what we've got to go after. That is what we've got to pursue. That is what we've got to be diligent to go after and to protect, to encourage. What that tells me is, even after everything that has happened there in chapters 3 through 4, that community of believers there, 
all the believers remained steadfast, faithful, and committed to one another. They were committed, they were steadfast in their devotion to God, their devotion to Jesus, their devotion to the apostles' teachings, to fellowship, to sharing in meals, communion, and to prayer. Nothing had changed since the day of Pentecost in the way all of these believers conducted themselves among each other. What was started there on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came upon them. None of that was lost. As a matter of fact, it continued and it grew, not just in number, but also in commitment and intensity. Do you see that? Because of this uniting in heart and mind, look what else manifests, continuing with verse 32, and they felt what they owned was not their own, so they shared everything they had. Do you realize that's a miracle? But it comes out of verse 32. They were all united in heart and mind. And what manifests out of that? Verse 32 continues. They felt what they owned was not their own, so they shared everything they had. The apostles testified powerfully to the signs, the miracles, and the wonders. No. They testified powerfully to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. That this is, that, that what they're doing here is they're preaching the word of God boldly. Because that was the one thing the Jewish high council told them to not do. We don't want you talking about Jesus. We don't want you talking about the resurrection. They went out and said, that's all we're going to talk about. Because we know that if we can preach the word of God with boldness, you can't stop any of what's going to manifest from that. The apostles testified powerfully to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ and God's great blessing. Are we after that? Are we interested in that? Are we wanting that? And God's great blessing was upon them all. Another miracle. <laughs> there were no needy people among them. Another miracle. Because those who owned land or houses would sell them. Another miracle. And they would bring the money to the apostles to give to those in need. All of what I just read to you, including miracle signs and wonders, all that God was doing among that community of believers was the result of, it was the manifestation of, it was the fruit of their steadfast pursuit of, their faithful commitment to unity, oneness of heart and mind, steadfast and faithful in their devotion to God, their devotion to Jesus, their devotion to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to sharing in meals, communion, and to prayer. And again, it wasn't miracles, signs, and wonders first. And then all of that happened. The signs, the miracles, the wonders were a part of the manifestation of believers being united in heart and mind. The sharing of all things, people selling homes and lands and giving the money to the apostles in order to assist the poor. All of that 
was part of what manifested among the believers as they were united in heart and mind. Do not miss that very important point. It was their being united, their pursuing, their obsession of being united in heart and mind that allowed miracle signs and wonders to manifest among them. And, the, and, and I point that out because apparently there were two people among this amazing group of believers that did not get the memo, didn't really value the unity of heart and mind that was happening there. And it was a couple called Ananias and Sapphira. I think the tragic story of Ananias and Sapphira in part was the consequence, the result of them trying to disrupt the unity there. To kind of sow discord and disunity among what was happening among this new spirit-filled community. And I believe what was happening there in, in, the, in the early church there in Acts, it was so precious, it was so beautiful to God. And Ananias and Sapphira, their attempts to disrupt that, to sow discord and disunity into the body was not going to be allowed to succeed. And again, I think there is more that can be said about the situation regarding Ananias and Sapphira, such as their lying to the Holy Spirit, and we could talk about that. But I believe it is no accident that this story of Ananias and Sapphira, it's kind of sandwiched in, it's kind of inserted between what I've just read to you and said to you there in Acts 4, 29 through 35, and then what immediately follows Ananias and Sapphira's story there in Acts 5, beginning in verse 11, great fear gripped the entire church and everyone else who heard what happened. The apostles were performing many miraculous signs and wonders among all the people and all the believers were meeting regularly together at the temple in the area known as Solomon's Colonnade. Again, they're unified. There is a oneness of heart and mind among them. All the believers, not just some, all the believers and it says, yet more and more people believed and were brought to the Lord, crowds of both men and women, as a result of the apostles' work. What was the apostles' work? Preaching the word of God with great boldness, testifying to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. As a result of the apostles' work, Sick people were brought out into the streets on beds and mats so that Peter's shadow might fall across some of them as he went by. Crowds came from villages around Jerusalem bringing their sick and the, those possessed by evil spirits and they were all healed. I don't, I don't see anywhere where Peter prayed that. Lord, I just pray that you would allow my shadow to just, you know, as I walk up, you know, I walk up by James at my shadow. He doesn't pray that. He's committed to the preaching boldly, the word of God. He's committed to testifying of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And out of that, God begins to manifest in ways I'm sure that just took Peter by surprise. Wow. Wow. My very shadow 
That, that is how powerfully God was able to work in the midst of that great unity. Now again, all of this that is manifesting the healing, salvation. I mean, people are coming to God in droves. And it was all a result of their unbroken fellowship. It was all because of their steadfast devotion to the apostles' teachings. It was their sharing meals together. I, I tell people all the time, do not undervalue the Praise Cafe. That is an opportunity that we provide you have to come together and to share in a meal with other believers, to be encouraged, to encourage. Amen. Don't devalue that. Communion, prayer, all of that, their unity of heart and mind, all of that was the foundation upon which miracle signs and wonders were allowed to manifest. There was something very, very, very attractive and appealing to unbelievers. And again, sandwiched in between all of that is the story of Ananias and Sapphira, and again, their attempts at sowing discord and bringing disunity among the believers. And God deals with them, and albeit pretty harshly, I will admit that. Because maybe it causes anyone else who was thinking along the same lines as Ananias and Sapphira to step back, have a moment of repentance, and stay committed to the fellowship, stay devoted to the unity of the spirit and to the body. So in that atmosphere of fellowship and unity, the miracle signs and wonders would continue to flow along with all the other great things and blessings that was happening in the midst of that unity. Again, I'm gonna emphasize this. I wanna hammer this home. It was their pursuit, their obsession, their running after an adherence to unity of heart and mind among all the believers. That was the most conducive environment for the manifestation of miracle signs and wonders. And we know that. Because again, if you, if, you, if you just read through the book of Acts, chapter six, another situation arises that tries to derail the unity of the fellowship of these believers. Verse one, but as the believers rapidly multiplied, there were rumblings of discontent. Again, something is trying to come into this community of believers and to try to disrupt and to derail the unity among these very focused, very committed, unified, spirit-filled believers. It says some Greek-speaking believers complained about the Hebrew-speaking believers, saying that their widows were being discriminated against in the daily distribution of food. So again, a problem arises within this um, community of believers, as it does in every community of believers, right? Nothing wrong with them. They're, they're not doing anything other than just living life. You know, uh, imperfect people. You know, it, we, we make messes. It's a part of being a family. So a problem arises within this very strong, community-filled, spirit-filled believers. 
And again, it carries with it this potential to disrupt, derail, or slow down all of the great things that are happening. So what do they do? They dealt with it. They did what they needed to do to solve it so it didn't do any or little damage to their unity of heart and mind. So they appointed seven men who were well-respected, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, and they gave the problem to them to solve. The results are found in verse seven. So God's message continued to spread. Do you realize the potential that existed there for that to stop, for that to be disrupted, for that to be derailed? But what they're giving is they're giving great testimony to this like-minded, this unified community of believers. God's message continued to spread. Nice try, Satan. The number of believers greatly increased in Jerusalem and many of the Jewish priests were converted too. That is significant. We also have this little insight in verse eight. Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, performed amazing signs, wonders among the people. Again, it is interesting to note that once the unity was restored, once the problem was resolved, once the community of faith is again united fully in heart and mind, we find signs, miracles, and wonders at work again. That's why I say if you're pursuing, if you're obsessed with, chasing after, trying to force miracles, signs, and wonders, you are pursuing the wrong things. And again, I don't say that. I'm not here to pick a fight with anybody. I'm just trying to be faithful to what the scriptures are showing me. And my job is to take what the scriptures are showing to me and to show it to you. We, as a congregation, and I am calling every one of you to take Mitch's word to heart, his challenge, and I, Mitch, am gonna take that challenge up, and I'm gonna be preaching on fasting next week. There's a storm gathering in the north, folks. It's called Canada. If you haven't been watching the news, I encourage you to start watching the news. Maybe easy to dismiss when it's over in Europe. It may be easy to ignore when all of this tyranny is happening in Australia. But it's getting a little harder to turn a blind eye when it's just in Canada. And I'm here to tell you, it's coming to America. It's coming. It's coming. And what's going to happen is we are going to need to be united in heart and mind. We are going to need to come together in, in a force of unity that we have never, ever understood or experienced before. And I don't want to wait until the storm to try to anchor this ship. Let's get her anchored now. So when the storm comes, we can go through it. We can endure together. That's what they did in the book of Acts. There were a lot of storms in the book of Acts. And it really had a hard time rocking the church because they were very devoted. They were very committed. They were very unified in heart. We need to be focused upon, we need to be committed to, and pursuing the things that promote and manifest signs, miracles, and wonders, and those are unbroken unity amongst all the believers. Fellowship with each other. 
devoting ourselves to the teaching of the apostles, the word of God, to sharing meals, communion, prayer, being joyful. He says, expressing good will among each other. You want to begin to build unity in the body? Begin to express goodwill toward one another. See, if I do that, James, you do that, and we all begin to do that one to another, we're going to begin to create, we're going to begin to build very, very strong unity in our body. Loving God and loving one another, just as the early church did there in the book of Acts. They're, they're, they're showing us the way. They're showing us what we need to do. And then when things come in to try to disrupt that unity, we too, we got to be quick to deal with it. See, most churches don't ever experience miracles, signs, and wonders, not because they don't believe in them, but rather because there is so much division and unresolved conflict. There is a lack of unity of heart and mind, and God is not going to reward that kind of stuff with miracle signs and wonders because you only get more of what you reward. See, once you deal with the divisions, once you begin to resolve your conflicts and you forgive and you just love one another with the love of God, you are now beginning to create an environment that is conducive where God will begin to manifest himself in a multitude of ways, including signs, wonders, and miracles. But it's not gonna be just limited to that. At some point, they're just, as, as signs and miracles and all that kind of thing are happening there in that new community of believers, all of a sudden they start having this inspiration. Hey, what if we just started sharing everything we had? What if we just started selling the land and houses we really don't need and we give that money to the apostles? I, I don't know that they started off in that direction, but, but it manifested at some point. And I'm not saying that that's what God's going to do here. He may. Or, or God may just say, hey, I, we're, we're, I'm going to manifest out of that unity, out of that oneness of heart and mind, God may manifest some things we've never seen before. That's what God does. God is, is he, he's a, a good God who does good things. And oftentimes, it's, it's uh, what the scripture says, it's above and beyond all we could think or imagine or even ask. And I think that was one of those things. They couldn't imagine that. But God did it. And that's interesting to me, and I'm getting ready to close here. Paul's letter to the Corinthian church, very quickly, I mean very, very, very quickly, I don't know that you could have been any quicker on this, addresses the issue of unity in the church. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Very beginning, chapter one, verse 10. He says, I appeal to you, dear brothers and sisters, by the authority of our Lord Jesus Christ to be in harmony with each other. Do not gloss over that. It's not a suggestion. Be in harmony with each other. Let there be no division in the church. Rather, be of one mind, united in thought and purpose. Get this, for some members of Chloe's household have told me about your quarrels. Someone or somebody's working to sow discord and disunity in a place 
where God is working to bring unity and harmony, and Paul just basically tells them, knock it off. Stop. And part of Paul's motivation in 1 Corinthians was to restore unity. Why? Because that's the kind of fellowship, that's the kind of body, that's the kind of church, that's the kind of environment that will manifest signs, miracles, and wonders. And when we properly steward the power and the presence of God, we will experience that and even more. That's the kind of church that will attract unbelievers. That's the kind of church that will grow. Not a church full of signs, wonders, and miracles, divisions, unresolved conflict, bitterness, quarreling, and unforgiveness. The two do not mix. Now, Paul teaches on the gifts of miracles. He teaches on, you know, the gift of healing, of prophecy, of the Lord's Supper in Corinthians 12, and again in verse 14. But all of that is intended to operate within the framework of what falls in between 1 Corinthians 12 and 14, and that is 1 Corinthians 13, love. Not independent or apart from love, but in the midst of love. So this is why I say, well, I believe with all my heart, all my soul, every fiber in me, that when it comes to sign miracles and wonders, I will not, and I will not encourage this congregation to pursue them, to follow them. They follow us. And they will follow us and will manifest in an environment of unity and harmony as a body of believers. That is my first and foremost call to our body. It is our ultimate primary focus and our pursuit as a body. So I leave you with this question. What am I doing to promote unity in the body? What are you doing to promote harmony in the body? Are there things that you're doing that are promoting and sowing discord and disunity in the body? We need to recognize what that is, stop that, and let's take up what the scriptures give to us as a prescription to promote and to deepen unity and harmony within our fellowship. So what I'm gonna, what I'm gonna ask you to do uh, this morning, I'm just gonna ask God to begin to, to give to you ways that you can begin to work to promote and to deepen harmony and unity within our body. And, and again, uh, it, 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 it can just be sharing a meal together. There's power when we just get together and share with one another. Hear your story and you hear my story and I get to know you a little bit better and I know how to pray for you a little bit better. It's when you know, we can just kind of be in prayer for one another. Those are all these things that the scriptures give us that we can do to promote and to maintain and to establish a deeper sense of unity and harmony. And I want God to begin to release those strategies into your heart this morning. So what is it? that God is calling you to do this week and as we kind of go into this season, what is God calling you to do to promote and to deepen unity and harmony within the body of Christ? Let's stand together. Father, again, we just thank you so much. We thank you for the, the testimony of the early church. 
they were the pioneers of this. They kind of went into this really kind of not knowing what all to do, how to respond. And yet God, through that whole thing, your Holy Spirit faithfully led them. And Father, it was recorded for our benefit so we could see what you were doing. We could see how they were responding to your moving amongst them. And that God, we could learn from that and, and we could begin to replicate that in our own lives within this community of believers. So God, we're just inviting you to come this morning and just begin to speak to our hearts. There may be some here this morning and, and you're doing a lot to promote unity and harmony in the church. I would just ask God to strengthen that that God would take that and just go deeper with it this morning. For those of us maybe this morning that really haven't really thought about this much, and maybe we're kind of caught up in a, in a lot of other things right now, and it's, it's a distraction, that this morning that there would just be a fresh burden not a heavy burden, just a burden this morning that God is just laying on your heart that he's calling you to do, to just build and to deepen the sense of community, of harmony, of like-mindedness, that there would be a devotion to, to the teaching of the word, a devotion to one another, that God, you would just begin to release new strategies of, of how we can fulfill that. And God, that when we begin to pursue that, that God, you'll begin to move in, in all of the other ways. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. He'll take care of the rest, Jesus said. So God, this morning, we just seek your kingdom. We seek that your kingdom would come in this place, that your kingdom would, would again just call us and unite us together in one accord. And that God, we would be very, very quick to see, to identify, and to solve anything that would try to come and to derail and to disrupt that unity. And so, Father, we invite you, Holy Spirit, we invite you to come. Convict our hearts where it needs to be convicted. Strengthen our resolve where it needs to be strengthened and renew what needs to be renewed. Reveal what needs to be revealed. And empower us to begin to live this out. Father, I, I, I pray that there would just even come among everybody in here just again, that commitment to preach the word of God with boldness. That was their prayer. Let it be our prayer. That was their heart. Let that be our heart, God, that we would preach the word of God with boldness, that we would testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And out of that, God, you will move in amazing ways. So God, we just stand here fully yielded and surrendered.
And may there just fall upon us a great sense of awe of your power and your presence in this place. We just receive your delight this morning. You delight in us. You have good things to impart to us this morning. We're your children and you desire to do good things for your children. And I believe, God, you desire to good, do good things, delightful things in this community of believers, God. And, and we want it all. So we yield, we surrender our agendas. We just invite you, come, Lord Jesus, rule and reign in our hearts, rule and reign in our congregation, and unite us together. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. For, listening. For more information about Praise Community Church, including gathering times and events, please visit us at praisecc.org. you to leave uh, with a new burden. We want you to leave with a new yoke because the yoke you came in with is heavy and oppressive. The yoke that God wants to give you when you walk out of this place is that it's light, it's 